0: In the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, raise a lamentation over Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, you consider yourself a lion of the nations, but you are like a dragon in the seas. You burst forth in your rivers, trouble the waters with your feet, and foul their rivers. Thus says the Lord God, I will throw my net over you, the host of many peoples, and they will haul you up in my dragnet. And I will cast you on the ground on the open field, I will fling you, and will cause all the birds of the heavens to settle on you, and I will gorge the beasts of the whole earth with you, and I will strew your flesh upon the mountains and fill the valleys with your carcass. I will drench the land even to the mountains with your flowing blood, and the ravines will be full of you. When I blot you out, I will cover the heavens and make their stars dark, I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give its light." And all the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over you and put darkness on your land, declares the Lord God. I will trouble the hearts of many peoples when I bring your destruction among the nations into the countries that have not known. I will make many peoples appalled at you, and the hair of their king shall bristle with horror because of you. When I brandish my sword before them, they shall tremble every moment, every one for his own life on the day of your downfall. For thus says the Lord God, the sword of the king of babylon will come upon you i will cause your multitude to fall by the swords of the mighty ones all of them most ruthless of nations they shall bring to ruin the pride of egypt and all its multitude shall perish i will destroy all its beasts from beside many waters and no foot of man shall trouble them anymore nor shall the hoofs of beasts trouble them then I will make their waters clear and cause their rivers to run like oil, declares the Lord God. When I make the land of Egypt desolate, and when the land is desolate, all that fills it, when I strike down all who dwell in it, then they will know that I am the Lord. This is a lamentation that shall be chanted. The daughters of the nation shall chant it. Over Egypt and over all her multitude shall they chant it, declares the Lord God. In the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the fifteenth day in the month, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, wail over the multitude of Egypt and send them down, her and her and the daughters of majestic nations, to the world below, to those who have gone down to the pit. Whom do you surpass in beauty? Go down and be laid waste with the uncircumcised. They shall fall amid those who are slain by the sword. Egypt is delivered to the sword. Drag her away and all her multitudes." The mighty chief shall speak of them with their helpers out of the midst of Sheol. They have come down, they lie still, the uncircumcised slain by the sword. Assyria is there and all her company, its graves all around it, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the uttermost parts of the pit, whose company is all around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who spread terror in the land of the living. Elam is there, and all her multitude around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who went down uncircumcised into the world below, who spread their terror in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. They have made her a bed among the slain with all her multitude, her graves all around it, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, for terror of them was spread in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit, they are placed among the slain. Meshach Tubal is there, and all her multitude, her graves all around it, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, for they spread their terror in the land of the living, and they do not lie with the mighty, the fallen from among the uncircumcised who went down to shale with their weapons of war, whose swords were laid under their heads, and whose iniquities are upon their bones, for the terror of the mighty, who was in the land of the living. But as for you, you shall be broken and lie among those circumcised with those who are slain by the sword. Edom is there, her kings and her princes, who for all their might are laid with those who are killed by the sword. They lie with the uncircumcised, with those who go down to the pit. The princes of the north are there, all of them, and all the Sidonians who have gone down in shame with the slain, For all the terror that they cause by their might, they lie uncircumcised with those who are slain by the sword and bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. When Pharaoh sees them, he will be comforted for all his multitude, Pharaoh and all his army, slain by the sword, declares the Lord God. For I spread terror in the land of the living... And he shall be laid to rest among the uncircumcised, with those who are slain by the sword Pharaoh, and all his multitude, declares the Lord God. Father, blessed to are understanding this reading of your infallible, inerrant word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> <coughs> This is the end of a section of Ezekiel that deals with the rebellion of the surrounding nations of Israel. Israel has been the subject of the first part of, uh, or Judah rather, the the subject of the first part of Ezekiel and the judgment that is to come. Ezekiel, remember, uh, has been in the vanguard of those already carried into captivity by um, the... Babylonians. He is prophetically looking back um, uh, upon uh, Jerusalem, and prophetically centered in Jerusalem. So it's uh, it, you have to kind of get that in your mind when you read Ezekiel. This uh, back and forth. He is in, in, um, spiritually. He is in 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 Jerusalem, looking at the situation from. The perspective of the Babylonian captivity it is um, it is uh, this this long section of dealing with the rebellion of the nations in addition to Israel not, not only is Judah um, judged but the nations who participated in her judgment are judged and, and that has been Um, the subject for several weeks with Jay and I going through uh, this passage. This is the last of that section and then we pivot to the glorious uh, feature of uh, the restoration of God's people. And so we look forward to that. But uh, this is the end end of the section that deals with uh, Egypt. There's been um, there are ten basically ten um, oracles about Egypt. So it's important to understand uh, what Egypt meant spiritually uh, to the people of God. Egypt uh, represents uh, on one level the the rescue of the people of God. You'll remember that uh, through Joseph and uh, his his uh, travels to Egypt, Israel was preserved. And and then for over 400 years, the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt. They didn't start out with captivity, they started out in an honored place, and then it turned uh, when a Pharaoh arose who didn't remember Joseph, and put the people of God in bondage, and then they escaped uh, that uh, rebellion. The the passage before us uh, falls into uh, two sections, and Egypt is still a great power by the time uh, Ezekiel comes on the scene. And if you read about the history of Egypt, you know it was for a time the greatest power uh, powers in the world. If you if you visit Egypt, you see the remnants and the ruins of the pyramids and and all the vast uh, temples and palaces all up and down the Nile River. It's it's truly a historic place, but it is nothing in terms of uh, a world power or player now. And that is indeed the fulfillment of this prophecy. You go there, you see some interesting uh, pyramids, you see some interesting statues, and, and, uh, and you marvel that a whole culture could be built around the principle of taking care of the death of its leadership, but that was their whole notion. It was indeed a culture of death, and what we have presented is this final picture of the end of this great world power. Egypt. Egypt represents, at the same time, rescue from famine, and then it also represents uh, freedom from bondage Mm -hmm. for the people of God. You you can read that prophecy uh, before any of it happened in Genesis 15. God said to Abraham, this is going to happen. You're going to be carried into captivity. You're going to go into a land and you're going to be preserved and then you're going to be held captive and then you're going to escape. This is part of God's plan. It didn't speak up on God. Um, and yet this power that was unrivaled is going to be brought to nothing. What does Egypt... I, that in order to apply this, You have to understand, what does Egypt represent to the people of God? Remember when Israel was left uh, captivity, as soon as they crossed uh, the sea and had some measure of safety and things began to get difficult, they cried out to Moses, why have you led us out into this wilderness to die? You know in Egypt we had uh, luxurious food we had security but now we're going to die and so spiritually speaking that's how we should understand uh, Egypt this chapter is divided neatly into two sections uh, they're both dated um, one on the first of the month, and one on the fifteenth of the month. You can see that in in, um, in uh, the first verse, twelfth year, the twelfth month, the first day of the month, and then you can see the second division in chapter seventeen is is on the twelfth month, the fifteenth day of the month. So this this passage falls neatly into two sections, and the first one is. Of uh, uh, the picture of Pharaoh, who is called a dragon, who uh, really wants to be a lion, he considers himself to be a lion, and and uh, and how God brings Pharaoh, and then it falls into the whole nation again. So Pharaoh was the the, the head of the nation. Uh, Pharaoh, uh, the, the, the slaves of Egypt spent. Generations building the pharaoh's tombs. They began working on the next tomb before the pharaoh was was even gone. It was uh, it's just a society that we can hardly get our heads around. Uh, He's called a a lion. He considered himself the lion. You can see this if you look at uh, pictures of the Sphinx. If you've seen the Sphinx in front of the pyramids, it's uh, it's the shape of a lion with a the pharaoh's head on top of it that's how pharaoh wanted to perceive himself it's funny to me that 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 statue was buried under sand for hundreds and hundreds of years until napoleon went into one of his adventures into egypt and, and saw the top of it and they brushed the sand away to see uh, this uh this uh, iconic picture of egypt and then but he says you want to be a lion but you're really just a a slimy sea dragon. In fact, your your power is not so great, Pharaoh, because I'm going to drag you out with a net and I'll throw you on the ground and you're going to die. Your carcass is going to rot and the birds are going to eat you. How's that for a noble ending to a great dynasty? This is the power of God. Who the people of God in every generation Egypt represents this world. Egypt represents comfort. It represents escape. It represents refuge. But God has a plan to bring that to an end. And the plan is the same Babylon that will conquer Judah and overrun Judah. And the the foolish... Uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem rather than looking to the Lord look to Egypt. They look to make a, a uh, alliance with Egypt. And God is telling the people that your alliance will fail. This is what I'm going to do to Pharaoh and Egypt. The same conquering nation of Babylon will overrun Egypt. I think we go deeper in application. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 how we're to read the Old Testament. These things happen as examples for us and we wouldn't be like them. We look so often for comfort in this world. That's what Egypt represents. It represents the world system that is against God, that is against his people. Satan is described in 1 Peter 5.8 as a roaring lion who roams the earth seeking someone to devour. In the book of Revelation, he is described as the great dragon that goes down to the pit. And I don't. We should read these things together to understand them together, to understand spiritually what is happening in this world. Egypt presents the promise of ease and comfort and escape. An alliance with Egypt makes our life much. Less difficult. And the reality is, it's a bit reed. It's a reed you, you lean on, it'll break, and it will fall. Egypt was feeling its oats and it ran its army all the way across what is Israel up to what is uh, the, the plain of Megiddo. Some people call it Armageddon, the mountain in the middle of the the plain. It is famously defeated and destroyed by Babylon, setting up the final destruction of Jerusalem. That is certainly in view here. If you go out on that plain today, you can still see the Marks in the hard stone of all the chariot maneuvers. It is is an amazing uh, sight to behold. And yet, it is a testimony to the absolute defeat of Pharaoh, the dragon, that it was laid up for destruction by God true of every nation what is true of Egypt is true of every nation that raises itself up against God in the book of Revelation chapter 11 verse 8 there are two witnesses that testify uh, in Jerusalem About the one who was crucified in that place. That's why we know it's Jerusalem. And what are they? What is that place called? Sodom and Egypt. That place is called Sodom and Egypt. Place of spiritual bondage. When you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only darkness. There is only death. And the Lord, Yahweh is the, in my firm opinion, is nothing no less than the pre-incarnate uh, Lord Jesus ruling, telling us that He will overthrow the princes of this world. So that's the first thing that Ezekiel was to mark down. The second, beginning in verse 17, it's not just Egypt, it's all the multitude that are like Egypt. And he begins a, a litany of the nations um, that will be destroyed as well. The the Assyrians, the Edomites, uh, Meshech and Tubal. Uh, 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 <coughs> biblical scholars think those are those uh, around uh northern Assyria, Edom, the Sidonians, all all of those nations that persist and follow in the rebellion of Egypt, they will be brought down as well. Every enemy of God will ultimately be destroyed. turmoil. And people of the book, we're we're often troubled by what's happening. We should not be be troubled because our confidence is in the sovereign Lord, nor should we be surprised. Our only surprise should be that things are not worse than they are. Our responsibility is to be faithful to what God has called us to. If you're a student of history, you know this. The, God, the history of the world is God raising up one nation, one empire, as Jason wonderfully expounded last week, one empire after another, to get grow big and large, to be cast aside forever in the dustbin of his history. And not only to be cast aside here, they go down to the pit. They go down to Shale, the place of the dead. And I, I, I believe representation, especially if you read the, the, about the uh, eternal pit in the book of Revelation, the language is the same. The language is the same. They will all be ultimately cast into the eternal pit of hell who persist in their rebellion against God. We, we care about nations. The Great Commission tells us that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. We go and offer the gospel, we make disciples by baptizing and teaching them everything that God has commanded. And many of those nations are are turning to the Lord. In those nations even today that are are, our traditional enemies of, of the United States, we see incredible revivals taking place, at the same time we see incredible persecution. We should always be praying for the church in those places. I think of Iran right now where so many are turning to faith and then so many are being put to death at the same time. The same in China, the same in North Korea, the same in sub-Saharan Africa. The nations that seek to control and dominate its people, and this is ever more true in our own nation. want us to turn from the Lord and turn to them because they want to be God. Such is the nature of political power too often. We are so blessed to have enshrined in our Constitution the, the First Amendment. but our, our duty and responsibility to work to worship the Lord doesn't come from the First Amendment. as much as I love our Constitution, I love our rights. Our duty and our responsibility to worship the Lord comes from his command. Hmm. Our brothers and sisters in these places, they risk their life to come to worship like you're coming. In Pakistan, you don't know when you go to worship if someone's going to roll a grenade into your worship service. I've met and talked to those people, the Tao personally buried in. take it for granted that we live in such a peaceful time when we understand and the people of God understand that this world and the things in this world and and those who wickedly seek to take the throne of God themselves that they're going to be set aside forever and the Lord Jesus Christ alone is going to be exalted and in his name every knee will bow And every knee will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Egyptians sought to build the kingdom of heaven for themselves. Their whole culture uh, is about taking it with them. If you've ever gotten I've had the privilege of going twice to the the museum in Cairo. I understand they're building a magnificent new museum to show all the ways the Egyptians tried to take care of their pharaohs. And these elaborate coffins, gold gilded coffins and tombs, uh, it has to be tons of gold. It's they could they could. Feed their people forever on what they have in their museum. It's ridiculous, but um, but then they take you into this little side room where the the mummies reside. <laughs> you have to pay extra to see the stretched out skin of the pharaohs preserved for thousands of years, and it's a horror. Is no wonder we make they make horror movies of that because <laughs> death is so ugly. <laughs> And you're looking at the stretched out skin that probably stared into the face of Moses. Of the Pharaoh who refused and hardened his heart to let him go. And you wonder, as you look at the, tre- the treasures and you look at the stench of death that's so real, after, even after thousands of years, you see why God laughs. That should be our posture in the midst of a world gone mad and rebellion against God. The posture of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who sits on the throne of heaven, says in Psalm 2, laughs and holds them in derision. Not merely derision, but strong derision. He is not wringing his hands in despair. He is conquering. He sits on the throne and he is conquering. He sits and he rises, and he is conquering the nations. And we have the blessed privilege of participating in that conquest. We must not shrink back from speaking the truth to those who in desperate need of the truth of the good news that Jesus loves sinners. We must not make the mistake that, the, that Judah made of seeking an alliance with Egypt. They, they thought Egypt was going to bail them out. They thought Egypt, in all of her power and all her might and all her majesty, was going to, was going to win the day for them. They could not have been more mistaken. And we could not be more mistaken if we, through friendship with this world, think that we can influence it to the good. We must speak the truth in love to those who are lost. We must turn away from our own comfort and our own pleasure And our own desires and bear the reproach of Christ. I can't help but think of the roll call of faith in Moses, chapter 11 of Hebrews. Moses' parents, verse 23 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful. They were not afraid. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ. This is Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward what are you looking to this morning where is your confidence where do you seek refuge are you seeking it in this world and the things in this world the Bible is really clear that everything in this world is going to pass away it's going to burn up and that the devil and his his legions and his minions are going to be cast into the pit of hell forever alone. With Egypt. That's the message here. Egypt and and the surrounding nations which are companions are cast into the pit forever. The passage before us is a call that yes, we live in a fallen world but our call in that fallen world is to bear the shame in the reproach of Christ, which redounds, which will redound to our ultimate glory. Where is your trust? Where is your confidence today? If it is anything else than Christ, I urge you to repent, to believe the blessed message of the gospel. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word that spoke so clearly to uh, Judah through Ezekiel of old and speaks so clearly to us, may we take this message to heart to forsake this world and the things in this world for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ, for we pray in his name. Amen. Amen.